I'm recording. I'm waiting on you one oh, more no. time. Give me the news. Let's do the news. There it is. All right, folks. So we're setting a timer for 10 minutes. Lindsay, Davis, and myself are going to walk you through these damn kids and their neobanks. Lindsay, before we jump in, who are you and what are you doing here? I'm just going to ask you this every week. We're just going to we're going to set the stage every time. <laughs> uh, I'm Lindsay Davis. I'm currently the head of markets at Atomic. We build payroll APIs and I'm a Brussels sprout enthusiast and an active marathon runner. Those go well together, Brussels sprouts and marathons. It's the treat at the end. <laughs> That's you're you're not real. That's if Brussels sprouts are your treat. I don't even know if you and I can continue to be friends. And we're done with the banter, folks. Jumping in because we only had that ten minutes and we've already used some of it. So last week we saw what three companies that you and I have been following. I think pretty closely for a number of years now announced gigantic rounds. And I don't know about you, but I had to do a double take on a couple of these. Cause I was like, is this the same article that I was reading like three months ago when they raised their previous hundred million dollar plus round? Did it catch you off guard? Were you expecting this? And we'll set the stage on what exactly the depth of what we're talking about here, but how surprised were you? What shocked me most, I think, is the total aggregate amount of money. So what Zach's referring to is this Tuesday, we saw three separate companies announce recently closing funding rounds. You've got Greenlight that raised uh, $260 million at a $2.3 billion valuation. You've got Current that raised $220 million at a $2.2. Then you've got Step that raised $100 million. And I'm not certain of the valuation, but in aggregate, that's $580 million. That is probably more money that we saw if, as someone who covered you know, fintech data funding quarter over quarter. That was more funding than we saw in the early years of fintech. And I was actually having a conversation with, with somebody about this who was raising back in 2008. He was like, yeah, that kind of money in this category is surreal. It, it is. I mean, it... It makes a lot of sense from one side, right? It makes a lot of sense from the perspective of like building a B2C company is not a cheap endeavor. But also, I mean, this has happened so fast, right? Especially Step. I mean, they just launched what, like less than six months ago? To the yeah. market, yes. And they had previously been on a wait list. They've raised a decent amount of capital. And some of that comes to low interest rates. And there's a swath of venture capital funds that have been carved out and dedicated to fintech. So they have to deploy the money. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's a... Uh... Yeah, we don't need to get into the insanity of uh, of venture capital and, and the math therein right now. Um, but yes, it is the there are some macroeconomic factors that are driving this forward that if uh, if if poked, Lindsay would definitely spend an hour on <laughs> or at least could spend an hour on. But we only have 10 exactly, minutes. Exactly. <laughs> and we're getting down to 645 now. So let's talk about the generations that are being served through this. When I was kind of digging through it, right, there's obviously Gen Z is probably like the big talking point for a lot of this. But the other thing that I noticed was, at least for current, the average user age is 27. And I do believe that's a millennial. And I find that to be a narrative violation with everything we're talking about here. Isn't this only Gen Z? And then also, I guess, Gen Alpha, which is like a, I don't even know where to go about Gen Alpha these days, but they're serving millennials, Lindsay. I thought we didn't matter anymore. Well, I think they're, they're very young millennials or elder Gen Zs, however you want to cut the, the ages, but they're very, you know, very digital first. <laughs> 
generation. So the the way to go about it, I think if you think back to the origin story of current, it did start as a as a challenger bank for Gen Z. But what they quickly recognized is that the simplicity of the platform, the UX, the UI, the language, and the ability to onboard became pretty attractive to the parents. And they just pulled that thread and kept going. And now they're they're going deeper down that path. And if you look at you know how they're thinking through partnerships and marketing, which we'll get into that is very much aligned with where the direction of the firm is going now. Yeah. I think it's this, that social kind of, excuse me, I think you said digital native, right. Was the, was the term. And one of the things that's been most like that has made me feel like an absolute old man watching all this happen has been watching like these influencers get involved in these rounds, right? Like current had Mr. Beast, which I'm, was not familiar with, to be honest with you. I feel a little out of the loop on that one. And then I saw Mr. Beast Burger on DoorDash and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm in the loop on this. Uh, but then I digging into Step, I mean, I think we're all aware of the, I don't actually know her names, but Charlie D, whatever, uh, the, the woman doing the TikToking with all of the millions of the people. And I don't even like, do you get TikTok? Do you spend time on there? Does that make world make sense to you? It makes sense to me, but no, I don't spend any time on TikTok and I don't have one. It's a, just another platform for content distribution and that's not where my my target market lives. But I understand it from... And also the time in, in lockdown, right? So you've got a generation that's bored and they have time, especially if they weren't in college or in school. It's... it's think back to you know how much time you spent on Facebook back in the day. Not a ton. I was, I was not, I didn't have very many friends, you know, Lindsay and I worked a lot on more of a therapy session if we just keep talking about this. So, uh, <laughs> but no, I'm with, I, we can't do that, but I do get it, but I don't get it. You know, it's, it's so confusing to me that somebody can put something on there and have seven followers, but somehow have 20,000 likes on that particular video. And I think it speaks to the the growth trajectory, right? Like the ability to get this this honeypot of potential users interested in one specific company and going in six months from, yeah, granted they were building beforehand, but from launch to one and a half million users in six months, like it's impressive outside of a social yeah. app. I mean, that's, have we seen that kind of growth in FinTech before you think? Yes. In, in Challenger Bank specifically, if you look broader, if you look out of America, you've got new bank in Brazil, they've grown mm. incredibly fast. They are at the time when I was tracking the data from like a press release and, you know, benchmarking their millions of accounts, you would assume that they were one of the fastest, if not the fastest, but then of course, and financial and what's happening with the, the mobile revolution over there. It happens outside of the U S I think in the U S the neo banks have grown very aggressively, but then of course there's free trading and Robin hood and Coinbase. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Coinbase is maybe a good example. Crypto broadly, though, do is a viral acquisition tool. Yeah. Yeah, the very, very true. And that's one of the things that Current, I think, is going to spend some time investing right. in, right? And I think you'll see more of that because you've got, you know, the bigger banks are now looking at institutional investors to buy it for their higher net worth account holders because they want access to to the same kind of returns that everyone is getting on this sort of gambling on it on a day trading basis. But now you've got, you know, big banks acknowledging it. And now Wealthfront this week also announced that they'll be diversifying some of their um, customers' portfolios into to crypto. So yeah, it makes sense for, for them to go this direction. And that's how they're differentiating to your original question. They're differentiating on products and services. And so back to what, you know, Greenlight just did, they, they launched a fractional investing platform. So you can buy 
you know, baskets with, you know, adult supervision. So they're, they're really doubling down on kids and getting them, you know, okay, you've got a little savings money. Now you, like, here's how you can do more with your savings. And that's where we're going to see these companies start to really like dynamically stand apart. So to that, do you think that there is a lot of competition here or do you think that there's just like this one age at like, I don't know, 17 or 18 where they have to make this switching decision off of a green light or maybe off of a current into something like a step or like, are they competing? Are they complementary? Should they be partnering so that you can graduate off of one into the other? Like how, how should they be thinking about this and how should the world think about this? Lindsay, tell us, tell us what to think. I think to your point, graduation is very, it's an important milestone in a person's life. And that's when they typically go off and join the workforce and potentially get their first credit card or they get another bank account relative to wherever they get their first job. And you think about milestones in your customer's life cycle, and that's how these products are going to evolve. I think Greenlight is doing that by adding services adjacent to what they're doing today to keep their existing you know, youth base on the platform. But for them, they've got partnerships with uh, marquee financial institutions like JP Morgan, as in- investors had put in in their last round. JP Morgan is probably looking at that as a potential you know, graduation step for that customer base. And I'm sure they'll think through how do we, how do we do that? But then that might be in conflict to your point. If that consumer base wants to stay with their digitally native, you know, car, there's, there's community to it. There's, you know, virality in the TikToks. There's virality in, in what, what the platforms offer. So JP Morgan would have to have a complimentary banking app for, for the green light base to want to graduate onto that. And right now it's still very complex in 2021. If you, un- if you unbundle that That's bank a- again, it's going to look very similar. Yeah, uh, complex is a nice way to put it, I think, especially when you're you're going from a green light experience to sending leads all of a sudden or something like oh, that yeah. to to JP Morgan. I mean, and, you know, lead, oh, that's our 10 minutes, folks. I'll allow us to finish this thought, though, since we have full control over what we're doing here. Um what was I saying? Oh, so Greenlight has a multitude of banks on their cap table, though. I think that's one of the fascinating parts is, you know, is it going to be Greenlight branded or is it truly going to be a graduation step where they go out into the world and just credit karma style, you know, maybe a little and bit they have more options. relationship yeah. based. But when they graduate, when that base graduates, I wonder what the market will look like then. I'm sure there'll be some consolidation, but the, the strength of, of digital first experiences is going to continue throughout, you know, post-COVID life. We know that for sure. Definitely. And it seems like all three of these companies have a long way to yes. run to catch up and like even just a just a long way to run and a lot of opportunities still, right? Cash App had, I think in 2020, around 30 million monthly active users. Current right now says that they have 3 million steps, says they have 1.5 million and then 3 million households right. for Greenlight. So we have some 10xing to do here to catch up with uh, with Cash App still right. and a lot of a lot of dollars flowing in to make that well, happen. Well, and between the ages of the 10 and 19, there's 40 million roughly in the population right now. So that's a small dent and again, current market is a little bit bigger now, so you're going into the the you know, Gen Z to millennial, and it's another 44 million right there. So yeah, there's a ton of untapped opportunity within those two cohorts. How do you think, how do you think about this in the payroll space or in terms of like the, the payroll switching world that you're living in with Atomic? Like, does this, because I would think that the, maybe the parents have accounts that need to be moved over or something like that. But I would think that a lot of this doesn't really, how much does this touch you guys? Well, what's interesting about that is we've thought through it. 
I don't know, and I don't believe because I'm not a parent, that you as a parent would want to take a part of your paycheck and put it into your kid's allowance. But there's a certain element of you know reducing the friction for you to fund the accounts on a recurring basis if it is hooked up through a payroll API. But for a kid, they're going to get their first paycheck. I mean, I recall getting my first physical paycheck and having to go down to the Wachovia at the time, now Wells Fargo, to deposit it. So you know, as these companies look to, to do the the digital, you know, take a picture of your check and upload it. I don't know. Um, of many that offer that feature yet because it is quite expensive from a technology standpoint. JP Morgan, of course, yeah. says that it's probably the one thing that, that banks do very, very well is capturing that check. But if a kid gets paid in a check, which is still going to happen because not 100% of the population is going to get paid via direct deposit, then that's a very, very interesting opportunity for us. Um, I think for the parents, the parents are going to fund the accounts. They're probably going to want to split things into investment accounts. So we can help them there as well. I love it. I love it. The one thing from the bond perspective, if, now that we're talking about day jobs, is I think the the step thing is really interesting, right? Because it, the amount of time, like you said, that they were on a wait list and that they spent building, right? Spent building. I mean, I think I, I don't know. I would be very curious to hear what their CEO thinks. Like, was that time in quasi stealth, just marketing only mode without any ability to convert users no. worth it to build. Okay, yeah. there we go. Lindsay can speak on behalf of CJ and we're good to go. <laughs> not, not in that way. It's just when you think about, you know, enough of companies that try to spin up a card program, how long it takes, how arduous it is. There's just a lot of procurement processes. I think that what you guys are building at Bond can help simplify that process. And sometimes it's just a pipeline. Your pipeline's just way too big and you can't onboard, you know, all of the, you know, challenger banks that have to go partner with a community bank, the pipeline for a, a community bank to you know do the procurement and all the different infrastructure checks they, they need to do, I'm sure that that time would have been better spent not building a wait list and actually onboarding instead of just a mass you know wave. And then it's like a one shot and that's it. You could lose your customer if at the point of onboarding, they flood the gates and the, and the platform breaks. How are you going to fix that? Yeah. No. I, don't, I don't think you are. Or we look at maybe some of the other B2C oriented card, uh, neobanks and card neobanks. The fuck kind of term is that? Neobanks in the market. I can't even speak <laughs> English today. Uh, that have had to launch, go, you know, have launch a set of cards and then almost go stealth and then rebuild and then launch again. Right. Oh. So it's, it's, it's wild. I don't know if you're reading that between the lines on who I'm talking yes. about. It does happen some more regularly than I think people pay attention to, especially the business banking side of it. I find very interesting, but I think it's happened B2C a couple of times too. Oh, it happens in payroll too. Uh, you have to rip and replace something that doesn't work. And it's, it just is unfortunate for the entrepreneurs that are building and it just costs them time to market and product roadmap and resources. It's, uh, and we think about that. We've built foundationally the payroll API integrations the right way and didn't cut corners because we knew that having our co-founders have previously founded Unbill, they had experience having to rebuild technology from the ground up again. And so we definitely didn't want to do that again at Atomic. But yeah, not to mention it's not a, it's not exactly venture capitalist's favorite thing to fund. <laughs> that's fair if they're getting into the weeds, but that's another time. That is another time and we are out of time. Lindsay, it's been a blast as always. I'm glad we're spending this time together every week. Anything else you want to leave the listeners with for today? Any any nuggets, any incredibly important and groundbreaking things in your head? It's the weekend, man. That's a, that's a big, it's a tall task. 
I think I wish the listeners could hear you giving me the face you just gave me. I wish they could hear you looking at me like, really, Zach, you're going to ask me that right now? Really? I think just from a from an opportunity standpoint, this is a wholly, you know, this is not even 10% done yet. So there's absolutely good things to come. I'm excited for all teams and we'll see, you know, perhaps do a check in in a year or next week when there's another Gen Z neobank with hundreds of millions of dollars raising, but opportunity is clear and I'm excited. Same. Same. I think it's, I think the family piece is really interesting, right? To think about how we not just control our children kind of if you i mean maybe that's not the the marketing speak for it but the way that we control our children but the way that we can kind of manage family dollars right like honey Fi just had an exit that's very exciting uh, i'm not sure what honey do is doing but they're doing something like that whole world i'm really curious if this group of startups that we're talking about today are able to expand and really start building for the parents and for the rest of the family. That's what gets me excited. And, you know, hopefully lean into the underbanked and unbanked families because there's a lot of education and a lot of help to provide. I agree. Lean in. Lean in. And on that Cheryl Sandberg note, we will leave you with that. Have a wonderful weekend listeners. And we'll be back next week. Lindsay. Thank thank you. you.